Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. So how many of you agree with me this morning that if you sit and listen, I know we've said this multiple times, but if you sit and listen to the message this morning and you realize how much somebody else needs it, you might as well get them go home right now. So, right, if you're going to sit here the whole message and think, well, that's for somebody else, they really, I hope they're listening, then, then you might as well just go out back and eat and we'll catch up with you later. But if God has sent this message, it is for every one of us, starting with the pastor and then with you. See, the way this works is God speaks to the pastor through the word of God, through the word of God and the Holy Spirit. The pastor speaks to the congregation, and it is a word from God. If it is a word from God, it is a word for all of us. And if it is a word for all of us, then all of us need to apply it to ourselves. All right? If it's not coming from God and it's not for you, then then we might as well just go home now and save ourselves uh, uh, having to listen to this. But I'm going to ask that you, as a pastor, I'm going to ask all of you to sincerely apply this to your life. Because in all seriousness, I know, starting with myself, I know that every last one of you needs this message. Okay? Can I tell you that Kaysen needs this message? Can I tell you that Callan needs this message, and Javi, and, and Peyton, and Nitch, and every one of them, and Julie, all of the kids need this? Can I tell you the oldest ones need this? Can I tell you everyone in between needs this message? Everybody needs this message. It's very, very important. And so I'm, I'm going to do my best to follow the Lord, and I'll do my best to uh, to just do what the Lord would give me this morning. But I, I want you to uh, uh, I want to set it up just a little bit. So it is Memorial Day weekend, okay? So I was thinking about, you know, what is the appropriate message for, for uh, Memorial Day weekend? And knowing that we were going to commemorate Kaysen this morning, and, and what is the right message for that, and knowing where the church is and what all is going on in the church, uh, what is the message? So I began to pray, and I, I said, Lord, I don't want what Gary wants. I don't want to come up with a message. I want you to give me a message. I'm very confident that this is what God uh, spoke to my heart that we need. And and I again, I believe that it will be extremely effective. So so here's my thought, and I know this may be a little bit um, ugly, but let me let me try to set up where my brain is at. We have fought wars for since back in the 1800s, back in the 1700s. This country has fought wars, right? There have been, I don't know what the number is, but there have just been thousands and thousands and thousands of men who have died fighting wars for the United States of America. You guys with me? Okay. That, that's what this weekend's kind of all about. And, and though that be true, and thank God for all who would stand up and say, I will fight for this country, here's where my mind went. And, and this is, uh, you know, I, I know I, I think like an old man now, but here's what I was thinking. Have you, you know, I analyze everything. Have you ever thought about the fact of how many 18-year-old boys were given a rifle and said, go fight? It just blows my mind. Because how many of you know that you can take an 18-year-old boy and you can make him strong by making him exercise a lot? 
You can teach him how to shoot a gun, but how many of you know you can't give the mental maturity to an 18-year-old that comes in, in time later, right? In other words, he puts up, so you have an 18-year-old boy who maybe just, in, in different wars that have been fought, maybe literally was just, had never left mama's house, had always just been with mom and dad, had always been kind of in a safe place, and all of a sudden he's in a, he's in a battle and people are shooting at him. And then his friends begin to get killed right around him. He's 18 years old. Do you grasp how overwhelming that is? But my thought is, how many of them went out there to fight and they really wasn't ready? They really wasn't ready. I know that's kind of ugly. I don't mean for it to be ugly, but I just want to get us thinking. There have been a lot of a lot of men died on the battlefield simply because they weren't ready. All right? Now I think in the modern day that we live in the modern day, I think we do a lot better job with with uh um, training our men and, and getting them prepared and giving them equipment. But if you've read it, I love Civil War and I've read a lot of Civil War things, it just fascinates me. But if you read back through some of the other wars, it wasn't that way. Sometimes it was literally the guy come out of the barn and said, here's a rifle, go fight. And that's how much training you got, right? Go out there and now you're getting people blown up all over you and you got a gun and you got to shoot till they kill you. And, and so we've had a lot of people who have died on the battlefield not ready for the battle. And how many of you this morning know that we are in a battle? We're in a battle. And see, if we could go back to the Civil War, if we could go back to any war that we've ever fought, there was a general, there was a, there was a, uh, a lieutenant, there was a major, there was someone who was in responsibility for them boys. And if those boys weren't ready to fight and they got killed... That's now on the shoulders of the commanding officer. Is that the way that works? So if you guys are not prepared for the battle that we're in, whose responsibility is that? Lays on my shoulders. We need to be ready for the battle. And we're in a battle, by the way, whether you know it or not. So this morning's message is winning the battles. We want to win battles. How many here want to win battles? Amen. We want to win battles. We're, listen, we're in a battle whether you like it or not. The option isn't get out of the battle. The option is how do we win the battles? And the scripture that we have before us, one of the most familiar and uh, one of the most familiar texts that there is. Most of you can probably quote it. A very, very familiar scripture. But one preacher said this. He said the reason scriptures are familiar is because they're good. Right? So if you're real familiar, it's probably a reason because it's a good scripture. But there's another problem. When it's a real familiar scripture, sometimes we read over it and say, yeah, that's a good scripture. And and I'll be honest, I have heard this probably preached a multitude of times. I've heard this scripture preached, probably preached it many times myself. But as I began to read it and really study it out, I, I, I just went, wow, wow. That is amazing. So sometimes we slow down a little bit and really take it in. It will it will have a different effect. So I'd ask you to stand this morning, if you will, uh, opening your Bibles to Second Timothy chapter four. Again, a very familiar text. <clears throat> We're going to pick up reading of verse number five. Uh, Paul has charged Timothy, the young pastor, to to stand strong on the doctrine, preach the word, reprove, rebuke, and all those things that we know so very well. And now in verse number five, we pick up. Uh, the, the aged, the Apostle Paul writes these words, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, 
and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me on that day, and not to me only, but unto all of them also that love is appearing. Let us pray. Lord, how thankful we are for all that are here. How thankful we are for what this weekend represents. And Lord, I thank you for this message. Thank you for your word. I, I pray that everyone would, would be attentive this morning. I pray your Holy Spirit would open eyes and hearts. And I pray that, Lord, you'd get me out of the way. Let them not see me. Let them see you, I pray in Jesus' holy name. And amen. And you can be seated. <clears throat> So let's just look at this scripture. Just let's just pick it apart just a little bit because it is really fascinating. Uh, so I looked up the word "watch." Do you know what the word "watch" means? It says, "But watch thou in all things." So I've, we went over this a thousand times before. But all things. What does all things include? All things, right? But here, you would never really think it by the way we use the word, but he's telling Timothy to watch in all things. But in the, in the Greek language, this word literally means to be calm and of a controlled spirit. Now, I could just preach for about an hour right there. <laughs> Do we need that in the church? A calm and controlled spirit. When everyone else is falling apart, we need someone who's calm and a controlled spirit. Now, if we're in a battle and someone's shooting at us, we need someone who's calm and in a controlled spirit. We have, I, I, I'm going to let the secret out of the bag here, boys. We have this men's ministry that we have uh, every once a month on Saturday, and all of you brothers have been so good to come. And we're making, so as your sisters know, we're creating mighty men of valor. Amen. We're creating mighty men of valor. But this is what we tell those brothers. And this is not, I'm not trying to slam the sisters, but this is what I tell them. We're not here to talk about sisters. We're here to talk about the brothers. But here's what I tell them. If you want to be a mighty man of valor, when everyone, when everyone else in the church is falling apart, you need to be standing strong, calm, and have your spirit controlled. We need men that will do that. Listen, we could be facing some really ugly times. Someone needs to be calm. <laughs> amen someone needs to be controlled some of you are going to just fall apart but someone needs to be strong controlled and and paul is telling timothy you need to stand strong be calm controlled and in, in all things so there are no exceptions and then he said endure afflictions now as best as i can as best as i can understand the uh the definition of these words paul here is referring to just everything that happens in life. I want to say this. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, either way, you will face battles. If you are here this morning and you are very wealthy, if you're here this morning and you are very, very poor, you will face battles. If you are in really, really good health, or if your health is terrible, you will face battles. What I'm saying is everybody faces battles. Their life is full of problems. And he is saying, uh, stay calm, have your spirit uh, under control, and endure all the problems that come. Because problems are going to come. Right? It's, it's just part of life. Then he said, again, he's still talking to Timothy here in verse number 5. He says, do the work of an evangelist. 
make full proof of thy ministry. Now, again, I look this word up, full proof. And this is the idea of going all the way to the end. You have a job to do, do it all the way till it's finished. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't leave it undone. Go all the way to the end when it is finished. So then we move on to, and that, this is beautiful. This really blessed me. Verse number six, for I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. Here is, here is what I hear the Apostle Paul saying. I don't hear him saying, oh, I'm about to die. Oh, I'm about to die. I hear him saying, I'm about to die. I'm about to die. There's no reservation. There's no regret. There's no worry. There's no concern. He realizes he's done it. He realizes he's at the end. And he said, I am perfectly content. He told us one time earlier in the scripture, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn. I want to go home to be with the Lord, but I want to stay here. Don't. And now he's come to places that now I'm going home. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. Now it says I'm ready to be offered. And every commentary I looked at, it, it had a reference here to this being a drink offering. Okay? And in other places in, in the New Testament, Paul refers to being poured out. Now, if you know your Old Testament at all, uh, there were, there were, uh, you know, there were meat offerings. They, they would offer lambs and, and, and ox and such. And there were meal offerings and there were, and there were drink offerings. They would sometimes bring in wine and they, they would offer that. But here's what Spurgeon wrote, and this just blessed me so much. I hope it will bless somebody here, but this just blessed me so very much. So Paul has lived this amazing life. He's now ready to die. He now says, my life that I have lived all the things that I have done as, as the Apostle Paul, I'm ready to die, and I want to be a drink offering poured out. And here's what Spurgeon said. I thought this was so beautiful. He said, Paul would not make himself the main offering, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the, the main sacrifice. In the Old Testament, there was the main sacrifice, which was the meat offering, but there was also the wine that was poured out as a drink offering. And, and this, and Spurgeon said that Paul said, I'm not very much, but at least I can be the drink offering. Now, if that's how Paul looked at himself, how should we look at ourselves? He's saying, I'm not that important, but right along with Christ, I can maybe just have a little bit of a, of a, a sacrifice for Jesus. So, so I think that is beautiful. But now let's go to verse number 7, because this is really where it gets really, really good. And I want you to see this again. I don't want us to, to just run over it and, and not catch the depth of it. I have fought a good fight. I couldn't help but think about what Brother Herman told me, Brother Herman Copley, when I very first started preaching. He pulled me aside and, and he said, "He said, son, if you're gonna preach, you got, you got a, you got, you're in a fight with the devil. You got to fight with everything you got." And this is what Brother Herman. Now, this isn't very spiritual, but this is what Brother Herman told me. He said, "When I was out in the world, he said, if I was in a fight with somebody and I knew I was gonna lose, I wanted to make sure they knew they was in a fight." In other words, I'm going to get my licks in too. If I'm going to get, if I'm going to get whooped, I'm going to make sure he got hurt too. And that's what he said here. I fought the good fight. Listen, I was in the battle with the devil and we fought and maybe every time I didn't win, but glory to God, he knew he'd been in a fight. He knew he got one. I got my licks in. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. You know, I, I, I made a comment about Kaysen and whether you're five years old this morning, but whether you're 85 years old this morning, how many of you can say life is but a vapor? 
If I have a very long life, I had a birthday last week or sometime just recently, I had, a, I had a birthday. If I have a long, long life, I've got 30 years left. As I look over my shoulders, the last 30 years was just like a, a moment. So I'll be gone in a moment. Is anybody with me? And, and in all of reality, Kason, we look at him and say, he's so young. But Sister Judah will turn around and he'll be a grown adult. And then he'll be an old man, and then he'll die. Life is but a vapor. And so Paul says, I fought that good fight, and then he said, I finished my course. But here's what you got to understand about that. What is Paul saying? He's saying, I had a job to do, and I did it all the way to the end. Did it all the way to the end. I never stopped. And, and I don't have time to preach this out, but I just want to just real quickly. How many people in the Bible started out well? And didn't finish well. How many people in church, just the people that are here this morning, how many could you name that you have known down through the years who started out on fire for God and now they're not even in church anymore? Just multitudes and multitudes and multitudes, probably thousands of people we could name just who we know of all of the people who started out strong, they didn't finish. But Charles, I don't want to start strong and not finish. I'm going to go all the way to the deathbed. Now, we all know, now there are great preachers, and this is just part of life, this will happen to your pastor, there are great preachers who were great, tremendous preachers of God, and they got old. Physically, they could not do what they did before. That's not, that's not stopping there are, there are preachers who just physically aren't able to pastor. They're, pastors, they're just not physically able to travel. There are preachers who are not physically able to do a lot of things. But you can still be in the fight. And that's the difference between someone who just sits down and quits and someone who says, I'm not physically able to do it, but everything I can do, I'm going to do it. I'm going to encourage the young preachers. I'm going to shout hallelujah. I'm going to be supportive. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to give it all I got till I get to the end. And Paul said all the way to his deathbed, I finished my course. Didn't slow down, didn't stop, didn't back up, went all the way there. How many of you want to finish that way? How many of you want to go all the way to the end? Not stop, not slow down, but all the way to the end. And that is my goal, is to not stop before I get there. And this is really important, and I, boy, every one of these, I could just preach for a long time on this. I have kept the faith. That I just makes me want to just, just, just shout. He's, now, we don't know how old Paul is. But another place he said the aged Paul. But he, he's an older man. He's seen a lot. If you know your Bible, he's seen a lot. But laying on his deathbed, knowing that death is near, he looks back over his shoulders and he says, I never lost the faith. Never lost the faith. Is anybody getting this? I kept it all the way to the end. I trusted God. I believed in God. I held on to God. I, I just want to say this, this may confuse some of you, but I just want you to say, when you get saved, the, Ephesians chapter 2, it says there's a faith that God gives you, and God holds on to you. That is your salvation. That is, that is God holding on to your salvation. That's your faith. But there is a faith that is in your head, that is in your soul, that is in your emotion, and that is a different faith, and that faith can waver, and that faith can say, oh, I trust God. Oh, I'm afraid of God. Oh, I know God's going to take care of me. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. That, that is the faith that waver. And Paul 
Paul said, I didn't do that. Not only did God hold on to me, but I held on to him all the way to the end. I said, I believe God. I'll be honest, this scripture here, I hope this isn't irrespectful, and I don't mean it to be anyway, but I thought about Brother Spike the whole time I was reading this this week, studying this text out. Brother Charles, I can remember as a young man, you know, a 20-year-old, people would read this and it would meant so much to them. It didn't really mean a whole lot to me. <laughs> I thought, that's not very exciting. Dying and the end of the... Tra- but now it's getting to be precious. Because the end is near. The end is near. And Paul said, I went all the way to the end. I believed God, never left my faith until I got to the finish line. And that's my, that's my desire for everybody that's here, is to go all the way to the end. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Paul is now getting excited. He said, I'm getting ready to die. I'm getting ready to stand before the Lord. I'm getting ready to be judged. And he said, there's a crown waiting, and I can't wait to stand before the Lord. And hear what he's got to say, because I have finished my course, and I have kept the faith. And then he goes on to say, it's not only for me, but it's for all of you who love his appearing. Now let's just talk just a little bit about love is appearing. What me and Renee was talking about this, I think, just this morning. What if the Lord comes back before this message is over? Okay? Before this message is over, my Bible flops on the ground and I'm out of here. Right? Now, let's be serious. Now I want this to be helpful this morning. I'm just trying to give you what the Lord gave me, but I want I want to be serious. How many of you are really be excited about that? Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about getting to go to heaven. I'm talking about now the Lord's going to say, okay, let's talk about what you did last week. Okay, let's talk about how you handled things. Okay, let's talk about your attitude. Let's talk about what you've been talking to other people about. Let, let's talk about, are you excited about standing before God and having God say, let's examine everything you've been doing and let's take, a, let's take an inventory of your life. Are you excited about that? Would you, if you knew that you were going to die tonight, would you be excited to stand before, or would you say, oh God. Help me. I have to give an account for what I've been doing. I got to stand before the Lord in judgment. Now, I think this is good theology. You can do what you want to, but I think this is good theology. Adrian Rogers said this. He said he had a member in his church. This literally happened. True story. Adrian Rogers said, I had a man in my congregation that died. He said, I went to his, went to his deathbed, and as he laid there dying in the hospital, the man looked up to Adrian Rogers, his pastor, and he said, I know that I'm saved. Have no fear whatsoever that I will go to heaven. My sins are under the blood of Jesus. I will go to heaven. I have no fear of that whatsoever. And this is what he told his pastor. On his deathbed, but I am so ashamed of the life I have lived. Does anybody want to finish the course that way? I know my sins are gone. I know I get to go to heaven. I sure am embarrassed about what I did last week. I sure am ashamed how I acted. I sure am ashamed of the things I've done. And now I've got to stand before the Lord. And I know he's going to let me go to heaven because of the blood of Jesus. But I'm mighty ashamed to stand before my Lord how I've been acting. I don't want any of you guys to be in that situation. Are you guys with me? I don't want you guys to be in that situation. I want you guys to be able to be like Paul and say, I can't wait 
to get before the throne, to get before his judgment seat, because I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith and I have lived for God all the way through. And I'm ready now to give an account for how I have lived. You know, we should live every day of our lives that way. Every moment, every day, every word comes out of your mouth, every attitude you have, everything that you do, every way you treat other people, everything that happens, you should think I'm going to be standing before Jesus Christ very soon, giving an account for how I'm living. That's serious. That's serious. So let's try to understand how this applies to me and you today. This message is probably going to be primarily application. We've learned the doctrine. We've learned the truths. This morning we're going to try and put it into uh, play because spiritual warfare is a very common topic and there's a lot of, uh, a lot of messages preached on it, but I want it to be, I want it to be uh, nuts and bolts this morning. I want it to be where the rubber meets the road. I want it just to be so plain. You can walk out of here mad at me this morning, but you can't walk out of here saying I didn't understand what he said. I want this to be plain, okay? And that's my goal this morning, okay? <clears throat> so number one, who Satan fights... Who does Satan fight with? Who does Satan fight with? Now, it, it, it would be true to say that he fights with everybody, but, but here's what I want you to get. If you come to church on Sunday morning, carry your Bible and dress in the right kind of clothes, and the rest of the week you do what you want to do, why would the devil fight you? You're of no threat. He kind of likes you being a religious person who's not doing anything. He's not going to fight you. He's not going to attack you. He's not going to come after you. Why would he? You're not hurting anybody. But if you're, some of you crazy people go to this church, if you come to Sunday school on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and then you're here four or five times during the week, and you're always involved in church, and you're always working in church, he's after you. He's after you. And those who are active, that's who Satan attacks. But those who are really being effective, he's really after you. Now, we have this thing we're doing here at Sandhill, and we call it church on purpose, and that just simply means every time we come out here, every time the doors are open, every time we meet, everything we do, every event we have, we're doing it. On, we're not doing it to waste time. We're not doing it to go through the motions. We're not doing it just because we've always done it. If it's not serving a purpose, we're not going to do it. So every time we're here, we're literally trying to get closer to God and do what His will is. So what that means is if you go to this church, you are saying, devil, shoot me. Because you got a big bullseye on your back. Did I did I lose any of you right there? I want to go to a church where they're not doing anything. The devil won't shoot me. Whoa! Help yourself. There's plenty of them out there. Find you a dead church. Nothing's going on and nothing's happening. And the devil will leave you alone. But if you want to go to a church where we're making an impact on the kingdom, Satan's going to fight us. He's going to attack us. And we're kind of almost advertising it because we're trying to do church on purpose. Now, I don't believe that Satan is uh, omnipotent. I, I don't believe he knows everything. But how many, of you would, uh, how many of you would agree with me that when something big is coming, Satan tries to throw up roadblocks? How many of you can remember, even at this church or wherever you went to church for, whatever, how many of you can remember a big revival coming, some big special thing, some, some big event coming, and right before that happened by Charles, it just seemed like the wheels fell off. It just seemed like everything that could happen, happened. You know, the devil says there's something big coming. I go, stop. How many, you probably don't know this, but how many of you know there's something coming in two weeks? There's something coming in two weeks. How many of you know the devil knows there's something coming in two weeks? Two weeks from today. Just gave Josh a heart attack. Two weeks from today. Two weeks from today. How many of you think the devil's going to throw some roadblocks up? 
he's going to toss some hand grenades in there. He's going he gonna to throw in some, some bombs. He's going to do everything he can so as we don't have a good camp. So, so we got a couple choices here. Let me just talk to you guys. We got a couple choices. We can all get blown to smithereens. We can go down to camp, not useless for anything, and go down there all blown to pieces. Or we could figure out how to win this battle and say, Satan, you can fight all you want to. We're going to have a good camp. Anybody with me? See, my job is to teach you guys how to fight. You guys got to figure out if you want to fight or not. You can take everything I say and throw it out the window and say, well, that was for so-and-so and that wasn't for me. Or you could say, I'm going to win this battle and I'm going to win. I want to go to camp, my shoulders reared back, by Steve, and ready to spit in the devil's face. I don't want to go there and say, oh, it's so terrible. I don't want to be here. It's t-. Is anybody with me? Which way do you want to go to camp? Excited, ready to fight the devil, or holding your head down, can't wait till this is over? <laughs> a few of you are smiling, a few of you aren't. <laughs> All right. So who the devil fights? He fights those that are, that are doing something. Now this is really important. I, I want you to get this. What does it look like when you're hit? So I'd like for you to use a little imagination this morning. So if we were in a real physical battle... And we've been fighting physical battles, so we're going out there with machine guns, and, and we're all fighting a physical battle, you know, and that was how we fought for the Lord. And, and Brother Charles come in, and he's got his leg blown off. I say, well, it looks like you got hit today, brother. And, and then Brother Terry comes in, he's got a big bullet hole in his arm. I say, well, it looks like you got hit. Someone else comes in, you know, their, their head's all patched up. We would see the effects of being in the battle. We think that the spiritual battle, though because it is spiritual, we think that we don't see it. But can I tell you, it's just as plain. We have, we can tell we've been hit. So if you'd allow me this morning for a little bit of illustration purposes, I'd like for you to imagine that the devil and his demons have uh, machine guns that are spiritual. They're spiritual machine guns. Okay? And he's shooting at you guys. And you think, well, I got hit, but nobody will ever know. Oh, we know. We know. <laughs> we know. So you walk in the door and you don't have blood all over the carpet and your leg's not blown off and you don't have a big hole in you, but you walk in the door, but you've been hit by a spiritual bullet. What does that look like? That's point number two. What does that look like? So let me draw you a picture. So you're here this Sunday. God is so good, Pastor. God is so good. I'm just so glad to be in the house of the Lord. I just love my brothers and sisters. Church service starts and it's just, whoo, glory, hallelujah. Glad to be a Christian. Pastor, is there anything I can do? Man, I just love Jesus and it's just so good to be a Christian. Every song they sing, you just can't hardly get enough. Next Sunday you come in. Well, it's been a pretty rough week. I'm, I'm holding up, but it's rough. You got hit? You got shot? We see the hole. You have a spiritual hole where you got hit by the bullet. Now, here's a good one for you. Now, I just, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just, I'm just trying to be real. I want this message to be real. I want this message to be real. So here's how it goes. And I, and I, and listen, can I just say that everybody in this church has caught on? There's nobody here that hasn't caught on, okay? We may not be the smartest people, but we're not the dumbest people either. We've caught on. I'm hit. I, I'm hurt. I got a big hole where I got shot by the devil, but I'm going to smile and they'll never know it. I'm doing great, preacher. I'm glad to be here, and it's great. We know you got hit. It's obvious you got hit. You're not hiding it. That fake smile and that fake God's been good to you, when deep down you know you want to just have a pity party, that's not fooling anybody. We all know. We know what's going on. You're faking it. 
I want us to come to church and say, Preacher, he shot at me all week long. But glory to God, I don't have any holes this week. Is anybody with me? So, so the Christian, I want just to be real. Paul, Paul talks so much about spiritual battle. So the Christian is meant to live a victorious life. The Christian is meant to live on a spiritual plane. When this Christian gets shot by one of these bullets from the devil, which is a spiritual bullet, it blows a hole in you and it causes you to not have a healthy spiritual life. And sometimes that manifests itself in anger. And sometimes that manifests itself in bitterness. And sometimes that is in a pity party. And sometimes that is in a woe for me. Sometimes you are discouraged and just down and I can't go on. Sometimes it is a depression that sets in on you. But all of those things are evidence that you've been shot. You've been shot by the devil. Now, praise God. Now, here's what I want you to get. Here's what I want you to get. You can come to church. We can throw some, some medicine on you. Word of God. We can patch you up. And you might live. Now, let's make this real. If you're on a battlefield, physical battlefield, and you're out there fighting, how many of you know you can get shot and still live? How many know you can get shot two or three times and still live? But how many of you know that if you're getting shot all the time, you never know which bullet it is that's going to take you out? And that's your last bullet. So you survived the last three, but the next one might have your number, and you're done. Here's what I want all of you to know. You've been shot so many times. You've allowed the devil to shoot you so many times. How do you know the next one isn't the one that takes you out? Church, this is serious. We're not playing games anymore. We're we're not having fun anymore. This is serious. How do you know the next bullet that is fired isn't the one that's the end of you? I I just listened to a message. I'm not going to say the name. But I listened to a message from a preacher. A lot of you know this preacher. And he just, and he just preached this message. And this is what he preached. And I'm talking about a preacher. I'm talking about a good preacher. I'm talking about a very good preacher. This is what he preached. He was going through some things. Some of those, uh, those afflictions we talked about. And he said, I was all alone in my hotel room. And I came to the conclusion, this world would be better off without me. If I could just end it all. This world will be better off with me. So I thought about asking this question. I wonder how many of you have had that thought. But you know what I thought instead of that? I want to ask this question. I wonder how many of you have never had that thought. Because I doubt unless you're five years old, you can raise your hand. Because most of us have got to that place where we just thought, you know what? It'd be better off if I just wasn't here. I know that's really, really real. But you know what that is? You've been shot so many times. Why go on? This is real, people. Are you guys with me? This is real. Getting shot, getting blown to pieces, having your spiritual life destroyed, and one day it taking you out is very, very real. So you don't commit suicide, you don't take your own life, you you go on living, but how many people, how many people are there who have, who, who started out strong and because they got shot so many times by the devil, they just stopped being involved with anything? Sister Bessie told me, she, she tells me this all the time, and now, I've been saying this for a long time, but this is what Sister Bessie said. She's been here for quite a long time. This is what she said. She says, I sit at Sand Hill and I watch, and I watch the entire congregation. And she says, Pastor, it's kind of interesting. Those who are involved, they never leave. Those that are not involved, eventually they're just not here anymore. See, you're really plugged in, then you're less plugged in, then you're less plugged in, 
then you're not here anymore. You know what that is? You keep getting shot. You keep getting shot by thoughts get put in your mind. Oh, you know what they said about you, and you know what they meant, and you know how they did this, and they know, and all. Does anybody know what I mean when there's thoughts get put in your head towards each other? Now, let me just say this Is Satan fighting us? Are we going to let him win? We're going to let him win. So, this is serious. There are people who have completely quit going to church and they don't even go to church anymore. Years ago, they were, they were all in for the Lord. Now they sit at home and don't even go to church anymore and they got a real sour attitude about church. There are other people who come to church and their heart's not in it. They don't want to be here. They don't like it. They're, they're, they're just going through the motions. And what about this? <laughs> now, I, I ask you guys as your pastor to not think about somebody else. Everybody look at me. I ask you not to think about somebody else. Don't think about somebody else. Think about you. But some people have been shot so much, you're now on the enemy's side. You're causing more of a benefit to the devil than you are to, you, to the Lord. Don't think about somebody else. Think about you. Is your actions, is your... Josh taught us in Sunday school that, that whatever we do is how the world will know our God. Are you representing your God in a way that is pleasing to God? You! This is serious. This is very, very serious. So, that's what it looks like when you get hit. You have the evidence that you're no longer what you was before. And let me just say this here. Whether we're talking about uh, not wanting to, uh, to worship, whether we're talking about um, running other people down, whether we're talking about having pity parties, being angry, being hurt, being discouraged, being depressed, the list just goes on and on. I think you guys get the picture. But let me just say this. Big, bold, and plain. Write it down. Remember it. Think about it. Let me just look right here. None of those are acceptable if you're a Christian. Do I need to say that again? See, what kills me is we've been over this a thousand times over and over and over and over and over again in the Scripture, what the Bible says, what we're supposed to be as Christians. And there's no place where a pity party is okay. There's no place where worry is okay. There's no place where running other people down is okay. There's no place where getting mad and angry and holding bitterness is okay. There's no place that finding fault with others. There's no place in the Bible that any place that fits, but you want to do that. It's because you've been shot. You've been shot. You don't, please don't get blood on our carpet. Okay? You've been shot. And here is the sad thing about this message, and I want, the one reason I wanted to, uh, to bring it. <clears throat> I believe Satan is fighting. Look right here. Look right here. Look right here. Some of you have been shot, and you don't know it. Some of you, everybody else in the church knows you've been shot, but you don't know you've been shot. You come in saying, I'm great. Things are great. I'm happy to be here. I love Jesus. And everybody in the church knows you've been shot. You've been shot. You are spiritually damaged because you've been shot, but you don't know that, but everybody else knows it. It is so comical to me how people walk around thinking that nobody knows. See, there's a problem. You need to go to a big mega church. You, could, you, never, they never, you come here at a pity party, they never know it. You come here feeling sorry for yourself, mad at somebody else, in a bad mood, pouting around, not wanting to worship. Nobody would ever know. We wouldn't care. But you decided to come to a little church, and guess what? We know. We know. We're a close-knit family. How many of you know that me and Renee can't live in the same house and something be wrong with her and I have no clue? Well, that's probably not a good illustration. <laughs> that's probably not a good illustration. Let's do it the other way. I can't have something wrong. She won't know. I, I probably wouldn't notice her, but she might would always know. What my point is, when you live close together, you know what's going on. And we know what's going on. And there's a lot of you who's been shot and don't know it. So that's not acceptable for Christians. 
So we've been taught the Bible here at the church. We've been taught this, this this morning is not a, is not a biblical doctrine message. So we've been taught the Bible. We've been taught how to treat one another. Listen, I didn't preach it once. I didn't preach it 10 times. I probably didn't preach it 15 or 20 times. I have preached it multitudes of times how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to treat each other, how we're supposed to, I have to preach that to you guys are tired of hearing it. So, and you guys can recite it back. Josh can stand up here and say, what can you do on your own? Nothing. And, Josh, and I can stand up here and say, is it about you? It's not about us. It's about, we can recite it back. We can say all these things. We know the truth, but we're not living it. There's a difference between knowing it and living it. So I want to bring some, I want to bring a, a, a phrase to you guys. I don't know if you guys ever heard this word before, but how many of you know what situational ethics means? Does anybody, does anybody know what situational ethics means? That means in a normal situation, it's not right for me to live with my girlfriend, but because of my previous marriage, it's probably acceptable to God. It's a situation. It was wrong before, but, but the situation changed it. It's not normally okay for me to go get drunk, but I was in this situation where um, it typically wouldn't be good, but there were some things happening, and it was beyond my control, and I'm having a really hard time. God understands it's okay. It's situational. It means the situation changes the truth. That also means truth is relative. Look right here. I, I'm being as serious as I can be. I'm trying to help you guys. Listen, if you guys want to go out here and get blow to smithereens, help yourselves, but your, your commander is not going to stand here and let you do it without telling you not to do it. Here's what you do. You know the Bible. You know you're supposed to be good to each other. You know you're not supposed to be running each other down. You know you're supposed to have love. You know you're not supposed to be worrying. You know you're not supposed to have a pity party. You know all that. You've been preached a thousand times. You know it with your head. It is the truth. You know it's the truth. You've read it yourself. You know it. Until someone rubs you the wrong way. Throw that out the door. I'm going to do what I want to do. It's no longer what God says. It's, and, you, and if I say, why? well, I'll tell you why I'm justified in the way I'm doing it. That's situational ethics. That means God's word changes according to your situation. Now, guys, look right here at me. Be man enough to look me, and be woman enough to look me in the eye. Does God's word change because your situation changed? If it was wrong before, it's wrong now. You don't change the word of God because your situation changed. Well, Pastor, you know how bad I got it. Well, I know how good God is. Well, you don't know what they did. They're wrong. It doesn't matter. The Bible says nothing about if they're wrong, it's okay for you to be wrong. The Bible says, you know, Jesus lived here on this. Who's our example, by the way? Jesus. Did he ever get done wrong? Did people ever do things wrong around him? Did Jesus ever act unchristian? He never got mad. He never pouted. He never ran people down. He never did any of that stuff. He had a smile on his face. He loved people. When they were driving the nails through his hands, they said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Who's our example? If you want the devil to be your example, keep on acting like the devil. But if you want Jesus to be your example, you need to, no matter what, you go by the truth. Put off the old coat, put on the new coat. Amen? Amen. So, what is our defense from being hit? So Satan's shooting at us with spiritual bullets. We've already discussed the effects of what happens when you get hit by that. We've already said that because of the church that we are in, we are, we are lining ourselves up to be shot by the devil. We are in a battle right now. The devil's trying to do everything he can to discourage us and to, to, to defeat us. So there has to be an answer for the spiritual battle. Does it seem reasonable to you guys that the, the guy would put us in a battle and say, good luck, guys. 
Good luck, guys. No, he's got a perfect plan where we can survive this battle. So here's what I want you to look at real quickly with me. Paul is looking back over his shoulders and he's saying, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. What Paul is saying is I look back over my life and as I look at all those battles I've been in, the devil never got me. The devil never got me. Okay? So let's just look at a few things. So do you say, preacher, I've got it really bad. You don't understand. You don't understand how bad people are in my life. You don't understand how bad my situation is. You don't understand. Okay, well, let's just, let's just compare notes. So Paul was beaten. How many of you have been beaten? Paul was stoned. Paul was scourged. Paul was in prison. How many of you think after he was beaten, scourged, put in prison, and stoned, he might have had a bad day? He says, looking back at that battle... I kept my eyes on Jesus. Is this sinking into anybody? So he goes on and he was run out of churches. There were people literally that he gave his, his blood, sweat, and tears to, did everything he could to establish a church, build a church, set them up where they could go to heaven, and they turned their back on him and started criticizing him. Guess what he did to those people? He loved them. He was good to them. He treated them kindly. They even accused Paul one time. They said, you're weak. You won't jump all over us and scold us and be mean to us. You're too weak. The Apostle Paul. Because he loved the people that weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. Is this sinking in with anybody? He was criticized. He was belittled. Um, He was questioned by the good people in the church. He had health problems. He had a thorn in the flesh. He was hungry. He was in need. He was falsely accused. And sorry, Renee. He was bitten by a snake. Isn't that like the worst thing that could happen? He was bitten by a snake. That's just a small list of the things that happened in Paul. But in all of those battles, as he looked back over his life, in all those battles, he said through every one of those, when the church threw me out, when people weren't what they were supposed to be, when I was beating up, all the things that happened, every one of those, I got through the battle and it didn't get me down. I fought a good fight. I beat the devil. How could you go through all of that and still beat the devil? If someone makes a comment on Facebook, you get your feelings hurt and won't stay away for a week. What in the world? That's not persecution, people. Why don't you let them take you out with a baseball bat and beat you for a while and see how that works out for you? Spiritual warfare is real. And how many of you know, I'm, I, I want to make this real and I, I don't want to drag it out to them, but how many of you know that this, how many of you know the devil can make it seem so real? When you're thinking something bad about someone in the church, I'm having bad thoughts about, about somebody. I'm, I'm, I'm just really, the devil can just make it look like they're the devil. Can I tell you you've been shot? That's thoughts being put in your head. Oh, I know I'm right and I know they're wrong. I didn't say you wasn't right. I didn't say they was wrong. I'm saying the devil makes it a lot better. Can I, let, let me just stop right here, okay? I'll get myself in all kinds of trouble. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> What's that boy going to say? We have good people in this church. Listen to me. We have good people in this church. These are good people. They're dirt. They're not perfect. They do things they shouldn't do, but there are good people in this church. But the devil can convince you you're going to church with a bunch of devils. It's the devil shooting at you. Am I, am I, is anybody with me this morning? Have you ever had those thoughts? Well, I know what he meant when he said that. I know what she was getting at when she was throwing that hint around. I know what she... Where's those thoughts come from? Now, am I standing up here saying that we're all perfect and there's no sin in the church? No. 
There's all kinds of sin in the church, okay? We, we know that, including with the pastor. Am I standing up here saying that no one ever does anything wrong? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the devil will magnify everything to knock you down. I've seen it happen too many times. Listen, I've been here too long. I've been in church too long to watch it happen over and over and over again. I, I couldn't even count all the people that I know who used to go to church who don't go to church anymore. You know why it really was? Someone in church hurt their feelings. The devil convinced them, and they quit going to church. Are you above that? Because that could happen to every last one of you. Amen? There's a whole lot of pastors that quit. They were, they were a red-hot fire 20 years ago, and they've just, they don't even go to church anymore. Right? So we we, we got to uh, um, take this serious. So, so a lot of people have fallen due to this. So what is the answer? What is the answer? I'll make this real, real simple. I'm going to give you some application, and we'll be done. What is the answer? Most of you, if you've been to church at all, you have heard the, the uh, whole armor of God preached over and over and over. And when the Bible, when he says, turn to Ephesians, and, and we're going to read about the armor of God, it's like, oh, no, not again. We've heard this a thousand times. It's so boring. We, and we picked apart the helmet and the, and the shield and the breastplate and the loin and all. Uh, we picked that apart and we've talked about the blah, 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 and we're all just bored to death with it. But can I tell you, God gave you a defense against the devil. And God said, if you would use this, the devil could not get you. So I'm going to make it real easy for you. Okay, let's, let's just set aside the Roman armor because we get kind of distracted by the illustration. Let's just set aside all of the messages you've heard. Let me make this real, real simple for you. I'm going to give you two simple things that you have to do and the devil cannot hurt you. Does anybody want to know what those are? Two things. Real simple. Two things. This is the armor of God. If you go back and study it out, you take the whole entire armor, sermon, uh, sermon on the armor of God and all the pieces and all the parts. Of it. There's two things that it says. You do those two things and, and the devil can't touch you. Number one, you've got to know your Bible. You've got to know your Bible. There are people who think they know their Bible, but they don't know their Bible. But you got to know the Bible. It helps, just a little hint. It helps you to know your Bible if you come to Sunday school and church service, okay? That helps you to know your Bible, right? And you read it some at home and you study it and you, and you get interested in your Bible studies. That, that is helpful. But you got to know your Bible. If you don't know your Bible, you are a sitting duck for the devil. I made this comment a few weeks back uh, on Bible on Wednesday night, but I stand by it very, very firmly. You, you can argue with me if you want to, but I'm, I know I'm right, okay? All of the thousands of people that no longer go to church, that have quit God, I believe if they would have known the Bible, everything would have changed. Oh, they knew the Bible. No, they really didn't know the Bible. There are so many people who have been in church 40, 56 years, they don't know the Bible at all. Well, I'm talking about it was on a, on a level that is deep enough to take care of you. So you got to know the Bible. That's the first thing. But here's a problem, church, okay? Everybody look up here. Here's a problem at Sand Hill Church. All of you that are faithful to Sand Hill Church, here's the problem with my, my uh, two points. You guys know the Bible. Unless you're completely deaf or you've just not been listening to anything, you guys know the Bible. I don't think there's anybody who goes to church on a regular basis who can say, I don't know what the Bible says. You guys know what the Bible says. You guys can recite it back to us. You guys know what the Bible says. That is not the problem. You guys know what the Bible says. So there's two things you got to do. You got to know the Bible. But the second thing, you got to live what it says. There's where the disconnect comes in. If you know it and don't live it, the knowing it doesn't do you any good. Now, if you know what the Bible says and you live what the Bible says, the devil can't do anything with you. 
going to try and prove that to you. So a lot of you know it, but you're not living it. And we can see the hole in you where you've been shot by the devil. And we want to put a stop to that this morning. So, I want to remind you once again, and then I'm going to get into uh, the, the real-life illustrations. Everybody here, everybody here, every person here is headed for judgment. And literally, it will seem like but moments, we will stand before Jesus Christ and give an account. And anything you can do to me to make me mad isn't worth me standing before Jesus Christ and have to uh, justify myself for how I acted. Did I get that? Did you guys get that? When you stand before Jesus Christ, I just wonder if the doctors came in and gave you a diagnosis and said, at best, you have a month left and you will be gone. We've discovered something is wrong with you and at very best, you have a month. You will be gone. You will be out of here. You, you, are, you are dead. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You're dead. I just wonder how many of you would still be so mad at someone else in the church that did something you didn't like. Or if you'd say, i got to stand before Jesus. I probably should be good. Is this sinking in with you guys? Or, or, or is it, I'm just going to be bad and then I'm going to stand before Jesus? No, if I really knew I was going to stand before Jesus, I'd probably want to make sure I did right before I stood before Jesus. And all of us are going to stand before Jesus very, very soon. So let's get it right. So, real life illustrations. Is it this simple? And I propose today that is, if you know the Bible and you live by the Bible, the devil cannot stop you. Is it this simple? We will obey or we will disobey. It's really that simple. The devil is shooting at me with a spiritual machine gun and bullets flying everywhere, and he can't touch me because I'm going to do what the Bible says. And the only way he can shoot me is if I disobey the Word of God. <clears throat> so application. So, Renee, I am sorry. Sweetheart, I love you, but I would like to use a snake, uh, the snake philosophy, okay? Renee just loves snakes. She just loves them. They're great. Hey, so is my dad, by the way. He just loves, I can tell you some stories. But anyways, my dad just loves snakes too. I, I'm not running on a whole lot of people who do love snakes. But anyways, back to the thought. Snake theology, snake philosophy. How many of you know when the Apostle Paul was out and he had been shipwrecked and he about went down and drowned and he swam to the shore and he got in a bunch of cannibals and they were out gathering wood and he went through all these different things. And what happened when he started picking up some sticks? I mean, I got a stinking snake hanging from my arm. All right? You know what he did? Never thought no more about it. Over with. Done. Can I tell you that's a real good way to handle the devil? I don't think about it anymore. Done with it. So, this is, this is about as simple as Kaysen can get this. You guys, some of you adults may not get this, but I can tell you Kaysen's going to get this, okay? This is just real simple. Every, everyone here can understand this. is. Listen, you can't say I'm not smart, I'm not intelligent. This is about as basic as it gets. Real, real simple. The Bible does not allow for stopping or quitting as a Christian. Can I get an amen? amen. There, there's no place it says you can stop here, you can slow down, you can quit doing anything, you can, you can quit on the Lord. Whenever you get saved, that contract was until you take your last breath. Again, your age may slow you down, but you never stop. There's no place to stop. There's no place to quit. You go all the way to the end. So, I've been there. Can I just say this? Listen, I'm not beating up on you because I've been there, okay? I'm with you, okay? 
Has anybody ever thought, nobody cares about me? Nobody cares about me. They don't love me over that church. They, they, don't, they don't care about me at all. I've thought that. Oh, I think that all the time. I just feel so betrayed. Someone I really thought I could count on, they just, they just let me down. Has anybody ever had that thought? I don't like what's going on. I, I just don't like what's going on. I'm just mad about what's going on. I'm just so disappointed. I really thought I really thought they were better than that, but I can't believe as a Christian they would do that. Has anybody here, except for your pastor, had these emotions? Had these thoughts? Has anybody besides a pastor had the devil make these so real that you just wanted to quit? Has anybody but the pastor ever sat at home and contemplated, I don't know if I'll even go back? Is that too real for you guys? Listen real careful. You have two choices. So I'm sitting at home having a pity party. No one's called, checked on me. No one really cares. No one loves me. I think they all hate my guts. I don't really belong there. I don't like what they're doing. I'm disappointed. So all these thoughts are going through your mind, and the devil's just making it big as it can possibly be. And you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I quit. I quit. Or I'll go back, but I ain't doing nothing. Or I'll go back and I'll be negative. You got two choices. Now, everybody here, has already, everybody here has already said that the Bible does not allow Christians to quit. Can I get a minute? The Bible does not allow you to quit. It does not allow you to stop. So at this point, real simple, sitting at home having a pity party, you can dwell on it, and it will get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And brother and sister, it might just take you out, and you won't be here anymore. That can't happen to me. I'm too strong. You're the first one it's going to happen to. So you can sit at home and dwell on it. And when you walk through that door, everybody here knows you've been hit. Oh, so you got shot this week, brother. How'd that feel? It's, it's evident. We know you've been shot. It, you, you know that it's been shot. Or number two, so you can sit home and dwell on it and you've been hit. Or number two, you can shake it off. And you'll think about it no more. You know, it doesn't say, this is amazing. But it doesn't say Paul went back and sat down and said, I wonder what's going to happen. It doesn't say he got some, he, he shook it off and he did the rest of his thing. He never thought about it. Never even, oh, is he, the, the, the uh, barbarians were there, they're like, oh, he's going to fall down and die anytime. Never swelled up, never got sick, nothing. He shook it off and he went on his way. I'm trying to be real this morning. I want to make this as real as I can because we really need this. But I, I, want, I want to ask you guys this question. Has the devil ever painted anybody here a picture of there is no hope, there's no solution, and things will never get better? Has anybody ever had those thoughts? Where'd those come from? Lord putting that in your mind? The Lord's saying, Sister Bessie, I want you to understand, it's so bad it's never going to get better. Is that what the Lord's saying? How stupid! But we believe that junk. And we'll throw a little bit of Bible verse in there and we'll back it up and we'll think we're right. But there's two choices. You can shake, you can dwell on it and be hit or you can shake it off and go on and say, I'm not hit. Amen? So you're, so do we, if we've preached this a thousand times, we could, we could give you a thousand scriptures for it. Multitudes and multitudes of scriptures. Does the Bible allow bitterness? Does the Bible allow pity parties? Yes or no? Listen, it's, it's simple, it's plain, it's clear, it's, it's the Bible, you guys know it, it is plain as plain can be. Bible does not allow worry, Bible does not allow pity party, Bible does not allow uh, bitterness, hard feelings, hurt, Bible does not allow, you're not allowed. 
Just as much as thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not be bitter. Can I get an amen? If I was to go out and sleep with another woman, side effect that Renee would kill me, but if I was to go out and sleep with another woman, you'd all say, throw him out. But if you come in here and you're upset with somebody, it's perfectly acceptable. No, it's not. It is the Bible that says you are not allowed to do that. Back to situational ethics. It doesn't say don't be bitter unless they do this. It doesn't say don't be bitter unless they let you down, just do something they shouldn't do. It has nothing to do with what they do. It has to do with you and God. So, you're criticized. Someone questions your actions. You have conflict with someone. Anybody here ever have any conflict? Everyone ever had you pull your side and just let you give you what for? That feel good? It feel good to man. That was great. Let's do it again. I mean, it hurts. I'm a man, and I've had that done, and it hurts. Tell you how rotten you are, how no good you are, how bad you are, all the different things. You know, all the, and then you, then you either have two options. You either sit home and think how much you want to punch your lights out, or you begin to believe and say, "Oh, I am. I'm a rotten scoundrel. I probably should never went to church, right?" But all those things come in. But the Bible's already told you you're not allowed to be bitter. You're not allowed to have a, 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 an offense towards anyone. You're not allowed to have a pity party. You're not allowed to worry. You're not allowed to do any of these things. So these things come. So again, you guys, you guys, I, I wanted to do this. Josh does it so well, and I don't do it, and I, it'll probably end horrible. The only reason I'm even going to attempt to do this is because I want you guys to remember it. So you guys finish the statement. You can go home and dwell on it, and you've been hit. You guys say it. You've been hit. Amen? You, you, you can sit home and dwell on it and you have been hit. Or you can shake it off and you've not been hit. It, it's that simple. You say, Pastor, it's not that simple. It really is that simple. It really is that simple. There have been situations in my life, there have been situations we've dealt with in the church, and I'll be honest with you, Sister Georgia, I thought there's no hope. I thought this is the end. I've thought a thousand times my pastorship is over. I've thought of just all of these thoughts that are so real. But the funny thing was, when I got my eyes on the Lord, it just went away. But as long as I sat home and dwelled on it, I'm not quite as bad as I used to be, but I used to be a man every Monday morning. I would just, I'm ready to quit, throw my resignation. I'm done. I'm, and, and, I, and Renee would say, Gary, what is wrong with you? You're thinking stupid. That's not real. And she'd smack me around a few times. I'd say, oh, yeah, that's, that, that's not true. But it seemed true at the time. And I was ready to throw in my papers, throw in my towel, quit pastoring because the devil was lying to me. But as soon as I got my eyes on the Lord, everything I was thinking just vanished away like, like thin air. Am I getting anywhere with you guys? I had a bad week. Anybody here ever had a bad week? Anybody ever had? I mean, you know, fighting with your spouse, your kids are being terrible, you don't have enough money, you feel sick, you work, your boss was riding you. I mean, whatever it was, it, just, it was just a bad, bad week. The problem seems so big, you're scared, you're worried, you're, <clears throat> you can't see any way out, it just feels like everything. Anybody ever had this? Oh, just, it's just piling on, just one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. Where's those thoughts come from, by the way? And then you bring that and allow it to destroy you spiritually. You can dwell on it, and you've been hit. You can shake it off, and you've not been hit. It's really that simple. Someone irritates you in the church, makes you mad. Someone in the church isn't acting right. You know they're wrong. All those things may be true, but if you sit and dwell on that, can I tell you, you got a big hole in you spiritually. 
Because if you sit and dwell on it, I can promise you the devil's going to make it way bigger than what it really is. You can, you can dwell on it and you've been hit. You can shake it off and you've not been hit. So, the choice is yours, you guys. I've made this as simple as I can. I'm going to tell you one more thing and then we're going to close this thing up. But I've made this as simple as I can. You guys know the Bible. You guys know what you're supposed to be doing. You guys have the option now. Going forward, you can come through that door. Pity party, woe is me, mad at someone, driving, run people down to church. You can come through that church and we'll all know you didn't do what this message said. Or you can come through that door and say, got shot this week, Pastor, but didn't stick. I did what I shook it off, right? So let me prophesy. You ready? I'm, your, your pastor's going to prophesy. I'm not going charismatic. I'm just going to prophesy a little bit, okay? I have these prophetic abilities. I can foresee the future, okay? You guys with me? I'm going to tell you guys what's going to happen. And it's going to all be accurate. You know, it's, it's one of them things that whenever I prophesy, it's exactly what I say is going to happen, okay? So, so, so let me prophesy just a little bit. We're getting ready to go camp. <clears throat> let me prophesy to you that when we get to camp, there are going to be some Christians at camp who don't act like Christians. I'm prophesying. How many of you think I'm going to be right? There are going to be some Christians at camp who say they're, they might be preachers. That say they're Christians, but they don't act like preachers. They don't act like Christians. They act like the devil. I'm prophesying here, okay? Look right here. Everybody look right here. Look right here. Does that change what the Word of God says? If a preacher acts like the devil, does that change what the Word of God says? If someone at camp is dressed like a slut, does that change the Word of God? No. Does anything anybody does change the Word of God? No. We are going to camp to be a light to them, not to get mad at them because they're not what they're supposed to be. And there are going to be people not doing what Christians are supposed to do. You at Sand Hill are supposed to show them what church is supposed to be. And when you are mad at them, you might as well put on your your bikini and run around with them. Because running around without any clothes on is no worse than being mad at the people who do. Amen, preacher. Well, he didn't act very good. He don't act very spiritual. He, He, I don't think, listen, we all know that. We all know that's not what a Christian, so we're supposed to be setting an example, not being mad at them because they're not what they're supposed to be. Is anybody listening here? I want Sand Hill to go to camp and be a light and not be the ones who are... Listen, God didn't call us to be the Bible police. God called us to be an example. And I want my people at Sand Hill to act like Christians because there's going to be a whole bunch of others that are not going to. Amen? Amen. My second prophecy... Uh, Brother Charles, you, uh, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to prophesy we're going to have some kids that are going to be bad. I mean, just, it's just a wild shot in the dark, but we're going to have some kids that are going to be bad. I mean, they're going to be mouthy. They're not going to follow directions. They're not going to dress right. They're not going to be where they're supposed to be when they're supposed to be. Timmy told me this. Timmy told me this. At the camp this year from the church Timmy's going to, they have a whole bunch of people that are coming to camp, and they are bus kids. The one little feller filled out his thing. He had no parent's signature on it. He wrote down who to call in case of an emergency, 911. And they asked what was his doctor's name, and he wrote down doctor. 
And Timmy thought, how can we send this person? So Timmy did a little investigating. His mom is a crack addict, and she just lays around stoned all the time, and his daddy's in jail. And he's coming to camp. Now, there's a real good chance he's going to be a problem. Shouldn't we just tell him to stay away because he's not going to fit in? He's not obeying our rules. He's not acting like he should. Let's just listen to me. Why are we having camp? So we can keep the people out of hell. And there are a whole lot of people who think they have Christianity and they don't have Christianity. And we need to be a light to them, not mad at them. I wish we could get a vision for camp, why we're going. We're going to camp to show people Jesus and keep them out of hell. And that was just one illustration. And those of you who have been in camp know there will probably be a hundred others that are just like them. And and by the way, let's just back up a little bit. So that little boy has a mom who's a heroin addict and has a daddy who's in prison, has no one watching him, can't even find someone to sign his paper, and he's going to camp. Does he need Jesus? There's another little boy. We've seen this over and over and over again. There's another little boy. His mom and daddy are in church every Sunday. Biggest hypocrite you've ever seen. Go home and drink and cuss and lie and fight. and But he goes to church and he thinks that's what Christianity is. Does he need Jesus? Is he going to get Jesus by you being mad because he's not being what he's supposed to be? Is anybody with me this morning? It's, it's a matter of, of letting the devil beat us up or letting the devil or let, letting us win. How many of you can give me an amen? Though, I, I don't mean to, we got Jeff Marion and Stephen Charlotte and some of them have been, they will say, I'm not going to camp. How many of you can tell, how many of you can testify? Camp is hard. Amen. Why are we doing this? If you're doing it for the fun of it, stay home. If you're doing it to keep people out of hell, go with the attitude. Whatever they do, I'm going to be like Jesus. And we might just keep a whole bunch of little kids from going to hell. Would that be worth inconveniencing you just a little bit? Amen. Amen. Those of you that have been to camp know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I'm going to prophesy some more. These prophecies are just coming to me. Prophecies are coming. See in the future. Someone's going to say something that's going to tick you off. I'm just prophesying here. Okay? All of you. Listen, it happens every year with me. Every year, someone's going to say something, but y'all just want to punch them in the face. In a Christian kind of way, of course, but I, 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 I mean, what in the world's wrong with you? But you know what I'm supposed to do? Be a Christian. If they want to be the devil, let them be the devil. But when I participate in getting mad, now I'm joining the devil side. So someone's going to say something. Something's going to be there. It is. Listen, you can't get that many teenagers together without getting drama. You can't get that many teenagers together without something going. On. Rumor this, rumor that. Did you hear what they did? Did you hear what they did? And all this stuff going on. Listen, you're going to hear things that tick you off. You're going to hear things that are not Christian. What are you supposed to do? Does the word of God change? Be like Jesus. Or you can get shot and give the devil all the credit. Now, I've already covered this one, but I'm going to prophesy just a little bit more here. There are going to be some preachers at camp that are going to really disappoint you. Their actions, their behaviors, the things they do, the th- whatever. You say, what kind of preachers you got going to camp? we got human ones coming. That's the kind we got coming. we got human preachers coming. We, we couldn't find none of those non-humans, so we got the human ones coming. Right? And guess what? And, and could be... Everybody look right here. Everybody look right here. It could be your pastor. Okay? But... Preachers are going to do things. So, so everybody answer this. 
Does the Word of God change because a preacher is not what he should be? The Word of God does not change. You are still supposed to be. So if Jesus went to camp with us and we had some little kids breaking the rules, would he storm around and stomp a man and, get, and be hateful with everybody? Would Jesus? Uh, Jesus would probably sit down and say, come here, boys, let's talk. Right? And probably put his arms around him and love him. Is anybody with me? If Jesus was at camp and seen some preachers acting ways that Christian, the preacher shouldn't act, what would Jesus do? I don't think he'd, I don't think he'd be what you do. I think Jesus would be an example of what God wants us to be. I'm just saying the devil wants to knock us all down. And there's nobody here that's exempt. And I can't even tell you how many times I've got shot, knocked down, wanted to quit, got discouraged, had a pity party, all the above, okay? I'm not preaching to you guys. I'm preaching to me. And I've been to past long enough to know that every last one of you, I've seen you guys get shot. Had pity parties, got mad. You know, it's a, it, This isn't a message for anybody. It's a message for all of you. Casey's probably going to go to camp and get offended, okay? He needs this message, right? I'm just saying it's going to happen. But we are called to be the church of Jesus Christ. And we are called to live like Jesus Christ. And that will not change no matter how other people act. Amen, Pastor, you're right. Amen, Pastor, I want to do that. Amen, Pastor, I'm not going to listen to the devil anymore. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have an altar call. We have lost here. If you are lost here this morning, you got to come find Jesus. But we have Christians here. Let, let me just tell you, I've been shot... I'm king of the pity parties and all those things. Okay, so I, I've, I've been in it with all of you. I've been mad. At, I, I've done it all, okay? But so is everybody here. I'm just asking us, before we get to camp, let's clean up our act. Let's clean up our act. Sitting home a week, dwelling on it, stewing on it, uh, all the junk that we do. Listen, you're following the devil. Shake it off and let's serve Jesus. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for Youth provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.